You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 23. It says this, Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be, in verse 24, to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. He said, it's, it's, man, he's writing to Christians. They're already Christians, but he's saying, man, we got to embrace the new. We need to embrace the new, and we've been talking about how to make changes and how to embrace new things in our life for this year. And, you know, we, I like routines. I do. I like my routine. I like living in my routine. But I always leave room for God to do something new in my life because he's always wanting to grow me. And so, man, sometimes routines, you can get so stagnant. Man, you can get stagnant and stuck, and you're just going through a daily grind instead of really living the life that Jesus came to give. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he said, I have come. Man, I like it. He said, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. Man, he wants us to live that kind of life, and he's, he's, the thief isn't in heaven, so he's not talking about just heaven. The thief only, Satan doesn't, he doesn't operate in heaven. He's talking about what the thief comes to this earth to kill, steal, and destroy. He's saying, I came to the earth to give life and life abundantly in this life and beyond. And so, he man, we've got to not only enjoy our routines that are successful and good for us, but we have to be, be open to embrace some new things that God wants to do. And if you, get, if you don't, then you'll get stuck and stagnant. And we know that anything stagnant is not good. It's, it becomes poison. And so, man, I I encourage you, open up your heart, embrace, say, God, whatever new you have for me this year, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. And so how do we welcome that in? How do we process that? Number one, we start, stop thinking like the world. We read this scripture. We're going to read it again. It's all found in Ephesians. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says this. Uh, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Man, listen, people who walk in the world, they believe all kinds of lies about God, about themselves. They think they can violate God's word and get away with it. They think that all the time. That's what Eve believed. Eve believed she could violate. She's like, She believed wholeheartedly that she was like, she could be like God and decide really what what Satan convinced her was, Eve, you can decide for yourself what is right and wrong and live your truth, Eve, because you're equal to God and God's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to know you can be like him. And, And that's the lie and that's the delusion a lot of people walk in. They think they can decide what is right and wrong on their own, what is good and evil, what is from God and what is from the death. I mean, they think they can decide it on their own and that somehow that's gonna work out for their life and it never works out. Sin is pleasant for a season and then the price comes. And he makes it look good for a season. Satan does and the world does, but it always comes with a heavy, heavy price, a price that most people don't wanna pay. They cry out to God. And that's a good time to cry out. 
But don't walk in the delusions. And we're not supposed to be walking in the lies of the world about who we are, what we believe, what we don't believe. I mean, we shouldn't even be mixed in with that. We're, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we're not supposed to run off and go live in the mountains and isolate ourselves and build a commune and, you know, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be living in the world, but operating by a different set of values and principles, attitudes. You know, we're, we're supposed to be living kingdom principles in front of people so that our light shines. God's light through us shines and shines into their darkness and lets them see there's something better, something way better, that the only way to be saved, the only way to go to heaven, the only way to live out a true life in a real life in this life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're not supposed to be walking in the lies they walk in. And then it says this, their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God, their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God because of spiritual apathy. They surrendered their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual oppression. You know, I, I like it that he talks about a spiritual apathy. When we get stuck in our routines and we don't, we're not inviting God to move and do new things in our life, we can end up in what, what the Bible calls right there spiritual apathy. We get apathetic to the things of God because we're not inviting anything new coming. You know, stagnant water has, has no streams running into it. It might have some going out, but it has none going in. Nothing's feeding life into it. And so we always have to be connected to God and say, God, keep feeding me with your life. You know, and stagnant water has, doesn't have that, but life-giving water has this life-giving steady stream of something new coming into it. And so we need to forsake the world and embrace the new things that God wants to do. It's so incredible when you live like that. Man, life has a purpose and a meaning. There's some excitement about it. Like, God, man, man come on, let's go today. Man, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to stick by healthy routines, God, but in the middle of that, I open my heart and mind to you. Let's, let's do something new. Teach me something I didn't know. Show me something new. Amen. And so how that begins is by saying we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to think like the world. They've shut their minds and their hearts off to God. It's the blind leading the blind. And we're not supposed to be following blind people. If I'm walking through a jungle and there's no trail path or anything, it's someone that blinds said, I'll lead. I'm like, well, no, oh, hold on a second. Maybe you shouldn't, right? Maybe someone who can see should lead. Don't follow the blind. The world's blind. The culture of the world is blind to the truth. And, and sometimes on purpose, they choose to be blind. They choose to be blind to the things of God. Now they have things called my truth. Live your truth, I'll live my truth. Guys, I just want to tell you, there's no mine in yours. There's just the truth. And Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. And so that's how we're supposed to be living. And we know in Romans 12, 2, it says the same thing. Don't be conformed to the values and opinions of this world. Instead, let God transform. Listen, we don't need to be conformed to the world. we got to let go of the world and say we want nothing to do with that and allow God to transform us into his image, his likeness, and, and to fulfill his will, our destiny. 
He doesn't want to make us robots. He wants a true partnership with us. A a father-daughter, father-son partnership. And we embrace it because everything he wants for us is better than anything we could want for ourselves. It's a better life than we could ever dream of, think of. And so we have to get rid of the, we have to stop thinking like the world and embrace his word in order to impact real change in our life. And that, that was number one, we have to stop thinking like the world. Number two is real change requires real truth. The Bible says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Amen? But you have to know it. A lot of times that, that scripture is one of, the, one of the top two that gets misquoted all the time. And people say the truth will set you free. No, it's not the truth. It's knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. That word knowing is intimate. You have to know it. Like it has to be living inside of you. And so how do we know the truth? By the B-I-B-L-E. Ephesians 4, verse 14 and 15 says this, and then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble and led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines uh, of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. Everybody say the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him, the anointed head of His body, the church. So we know the truth comes from the Word. Amen? And so, man, when we live the truth, we're not living lies, then we are not blind to the world and what's going on around us. We can see it. You remember we started with the Scripture, God is... God wants to, he's going to do a new thing. He's going to do it with or without us. But he said, can you perceive it? Otherwise, can you see it? And the only way you can see what new thing and what God wants to do in your life is that you have to know what this word says. You have to know the truth. You have to know the truth, number one, about who Jesus is. Because a lot of people say a lot of things about Jesus. But he only said one thing about himself. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And so we have to know that truth and live that truth and not give in to the lies about who we are. You know, you can believe a lot of lies. You can believe lies about God. You can believe lies about yourself. You can believe lies about others. You can believe lies about uh, what you can or cannot do. You can believe lies about, I mean, there's tons of lies. And God wants to get all those lies out of our life so that we know the truth about who God is and who we are in Him and what we're called to do, what we're to accomplish. Now, hold your place in Ephesians 4 and go with me to, to 2 Timothy 3. And there's some principles in 2 Timothy 3 that talk about, um, talk about the things of God uh, in the Word of God. And so in 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 16, it says this, God has transmitted His very substance into every scripture, for it is God-breathed. The word breath there is the same word as Uh, The Holy Spirit, the word spirit means breath. Our spirit means breath. Any spirit is a breath. So he's saying it's God's breath. It's God's word. He breathed his life into that word, into this word. 
And so it says, it will empower you by its instruction. Everybody say instruction. So the first thing the Word of God will do is teach you. Then he says this, the next thing, and correct you. The second thing it'll do is correct you. It'll teach you and then correct you. Now, a lot of people like the teaching that'll embrace the correction. Can I say something to you? There's people in my life that I do not correct because I know they won't listen. You know, the Bible says, don't correct a fool. And so people who want to live foolishly, man, I just kind of, I let them. I don't, I don't let them because I don't love them. I care about them. I want to tell them some truth, and I would like to share some things they, that are pretty obvious that everybody sees that they need to correct. But if they don't have ears to hear it and a heart to receive it, man, it's foolishness to try to correct it. Sometimes we beat, uh, we beat a dead horse, and, and we need to back off of that sometimes and just pray for them that God will open up their heart, open up their mind, that they quit shutting down their mind and heart to the things of God because Guys, and listen, we need to be people who embrace correction. You know, when people criticize the church, I don't just automatically get defensive all the time. I first think, is that true? That's how we need to think. And if it's true, then, man, I'm like, well, there's some truth to that. We need to, we need to respond to that. Someone say amen. And, and so, guys, we always have to have a heart to be corrected. And and we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, you've got to have people around you that you allow to correct you. If you don't have someone that can speak in your life to correct you, you're going to be in trouble a lot. You're going, to make a, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over and over. If you don't get deeper in the Word of God, you're going to keep making mistakes, and you're never going to live out God's purpose and plan for your life. You have to embrace His teaching and embrace the correction that comes with it. Then the third thing he says, giving you the strength to take the right direction. So he says he's going to teach you, point out things that are wrong, correct you. And then he's going to give you the strength to know what is and to see what is right in your life. Right. Then there's a fourth thing he does in here. He said, strengthen to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. So uh, I'll just break it down this way. He's going to teach you truth. He's going to help you realize what's wrong in your life. And then he's going to teach you what is right, the right things, and how to correct what is wrong. And then he's going to teach you how to maintain that path and go deeper and deeper in doing what is right. Those are the four things the Word of God does. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace that. You know, I, I read scriptures in Proverbs that a fool, has, a fool only understands a beating. Man, I don't want to be a fool that I have to be beaten into submission or beaten to do what is right. You know, I, I tried to teach my children when they were growing up, we can do things the easy way or the hard way. Your choice. Your choice. I can either sit down and talk to you and say, uh, Tucker's here today, and I say, Tuck was pretty good about this. I'd say, Tuck, look, listen, we can do things the easy way or the hard way. Here's the easy way. Stop doing that and start doing this. You can either take that counsel and do that, or if you want to press on, then we have other, there's other options here. We can do it the hard way. Man, I thank God I have a lot of my children embrace the easy way. Like, oh, okay. Because I'll tell them, I'll either, I can either, once they get to a certain age, it's like when they're little, there's no reasoning with a two-year-old. Just want to tell you. But when they get older, you look at them, you say, okay, listen, you're old enough to understand. What you're doing is wrong. Stop doing that, and we're good. And start doing this will even be better. 
Or if you continue, then there's, there's going to be ramifications. There's punishment coming, and you get to choose which way you want to handle being corrected. And I do that with my children. Guess what? That's how God operates with us. He'll first tell you, hey, stop doing that. Let's do this the easy way. Let's be reasonable. Stop doing that. And start doing this. And if you won't, then, then other, other things are coming. He'll release you to that and let you receive the punishment or you'll receive what you planted. If you plant corn, you eat, you get corn. You plant watermelons, you get watermelons. If you keep planting that seed, he'll release you to receive the correction that comes with that. I'd rather do things the easy way. God, just tell me. Let me help me. Tell me and then empower me because he says he empowers us through the word to make those changes, to stop doing what I shouldn't be doing. But, and, and, and that's really good. But even better is to start doing what I should be doing in that area. And he said, I gave you my word for all of that. So let's embrace the correction we receive. If you're messing up, and you, you've messed up every relationship you've ever had, or man, you you don't you're not you're not being promoted, or you you go from job to job, and the boss tells you the same thing. Man, you got a bad attitude. You're like, I don't have a bad attitude. <laughs> oh come on! Hey, even the world can speak into your life. They even see things. And so, man, eventually you got to say, man, I keep. I keep getting passed over for promotion because I have a bad attitude, or I, I keep getting fired because I have a bad attitude, or being demoted, or, I mean, you, I, I keep getting turned down for jobs because I keep getting corrected, but I don't want to hear the correction. Man, we need to embrace what God's teaching us, amen? You want something new? You got to do something new. This is what I know. If you change how you think, it will change how you feel, and that will change what you do. So we got to change how we think and embrace the truth. Amen? And, and just embrace what God's Word does for us. He's trying to help us, guys. He's not trying to hurt us. His correction's never designed. He said, only correct my children. He said, and His correction's always loving and kind, uh, you know, and He always wants to help us do better. Never, I, I would tell my kids, listen, I'm not spanking you because I hate you. I'm spanking you because I love you. The Bible says if I spare the rod, I hate my children. If I don't discipline my children, the Bible says I hate them. And I'm like, I don't hate you. Come here, let me spank you some more. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I love you this much. And I love you some more. No, I, I'm, just, I'm just joking. When you got little ones, a lot of them, man, sometimes you feel like that's all you're doing sometimes is, is correcting. But if you love them, you'll, you'll stay in there. And you'll check your anger and say, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be patient, and I'm hanging in there. They're not going to beat me. I'm going to beat them, literally. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to win this battle because I love them enough. I'm not going to let them grow up thinking that they can keep doing that, and that will work for them. I want them to live a blessed life. Amen? Number three, real, yeah, you can clap for joy, man. That's, that's God's word. And so, number three is, we got to let go. Everybody say, let go. We got to let go some stuff. We got to clean some stuff out of our life. Uh, Ephesians 4.22 says this, And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of that ancient man, the old self-life which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Man, we got to let go of some stuff. You got to do some house cleaning. 
You know, and, and you know, I, it's just amazing to me. I, I deal with, I've dealt with a lot of men and some women hooked on pornography. And I'll say, where do you look at that at? And they'll say, back then before phones were too, they'd say, oh, my computer. I said, where's your computer? Well, it's kind of back at a corner. I say, why don't you move that computer to the living room? And put it where everybody can see the screen. And, I, man, they start fidgeting. Like, oh, oh, we, oh, God, oh, oh. I'm, well, I can't do that. Why? Well, I, there's stuff that people don't need to see. I said, that's your problem. There's stuff on there you're looking at people don't need to see. And so if you, you put it in the living room where everybody can see it, you, you're less apt to do that. And, man, I, I've had people fight me like crazy on that. I've, I've, said, I've told people, don't take your phone where you shouldn't take your phone. If there's places you take it that you're looking and doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, you need to have a basket in your house. And when you go to those places, you need to put that phone in the basket and go by yourself. And not take that phone with you. You got to do some house cleaning. You know, if your problem is that you're eating your way into bad health problems, man, you got to remove some of that food that you're addicted to. You know, one of the things, I'm fasting between 11 and 7 because one habit I've had for the longest time, is, and at times I've, I've gotten victory over it, but I'm getting victory in Jesus' name. I'm not a quitter, right? Is that I snack at night. I fall asleep pretty early, and I wake up, and I'm hungry. And that's when the Oreos look real good. That's when Lay's potato chips, can't just eat one, is true. Looks good. And I, I'm, then so I'm, I'm fasting between... I'm eating between 11 and 7, and after 7, all the way to 11 the next morning, I'm not eating. It's really helping me break those habits. So I'm going to say, man, listen, whatever it is, you got to do some house cleaning. Get it out of your life. If every time you get around that person, you end up in sin, you got to do some house cleaning. And tell that, but hey, man, I can't hang with you anymore. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to pray for you. But every time I get around you, I fall. You got to go. Sorry, I got to let you go. Whatever it is, you got to do some house cleaning. Do some house cleaning. Amen. If you want, if you want real change, you got to let go of your past and of things that are hanging on to you that are damaging your life. Let them go. Let them go. Should I sing the song? No, I'm not going to sing the song. Now all of you in your head are singing, let it go, right? Is that, I don't even know the tune of it, but I know the song. Is, is that in Frozen? Is that what that is? Yeah. Number four, real change requires honest counsel. Um, man, I, I love this example. I, I, I listened to a minister talk about this. And this example he gave is team tackling. You know, when we would play somebody that was really good, I played against Timmy Smith, he played in the NFL, he played in Hobbs, and man, we purposed that whole game. We're going to team tackle Timmy. Timmy was a stud. Timmy, you know, played in the NFL. He was incredible. If he'd had his life together, he'd probably set all kinds of records. He set the NFL record for the most rushing yards in the Super Bowl, 350 yards in the Super Bowl, running the football. Uh, uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, Timmy, so we, we had a plan. We're going to team tackle Timmy. Man, we're going we're gonna to grab him, hold on to him, and everybody runs and hits him. And so some problems need to be team tackled. You need a group of people around you who speak into your life. That you give permission to speak. And they give, they give you permission to speak into their life too. It's a team effort. My team is my wife, my kids. My kids don't have any problem looking at me and going, well, Dad, that's not what you preached last Sunday. 
My wife and mama, oh, man, they tell me this. Hey, you got to listen to your own preaching. And I had, they had permission to say that to me. And my, now that my sons are older, even my daughter, even when they were younger, but now that they're older, they're men, they're, young, they're adults. We have, there's, I'm still their father, they're still my sons. But, man, we have adult conversations like that. That I speak in their life, they speak into my. They, I speak into their life where they'll let me. But man, my heart is open. You got to have a team of people like that in your life that you trust, and don't distance yourself from them, because man, every time you do, you know you're up to no good. You're up to thinking wrong, and you're going to be living wrong. And you need to you need to have a group of people like of friends like that. Well, Pastor, I don't have them. Well, let me give you let me give you a tip how you get them. It's found. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let's read. This is, how, this is how you begin to conduct yourself, and then you'll find people come into your life that'll do the same for you. Uh, verse 29 in Ephesians. Oh, I'm in Timothy. I need to get back to Ephesians. Ephesians, uh, we're getting there. 4.29. Here we go. It says, And never let ugly and hateful words come from your mouth, but instead, everybody say, but instead... Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. You know, a lot of times, you know, we know it's proven that within a few seconds of listening to somebody, we're already forming our, our response, our response. We're not really listening to them to help them. You know, if you care more about what the world thinks of you, you're going to try to look good to the world instead of be good. Let me say it again. You're going to try to be, look good to the world and look good to others instead of be good. I know a lot of Christians, man. I've grown up with them. All they cared about was their image. They didn't really care about being good. And when I was a kid, I was in some of their houses, and I thought they were holy and perfect. I got in some of their homes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is craziness in this home. But on the outside, they look good. The Bible calls them whitewashed tombs, tombs full of dead men's bones. You need to be more concerned about being good than looking good. Amen? And embracing people around you who help you do that. Who help you be good, not just look good. And so we need to be the type of people who speak into other people's lives with their benefit at heart, not ours. Someone say amen. So we, God's saying, think about what they need. And if you'll be the type of person that thinks about what they need instead of what you need out of that conversation or what you want to say or your opinion, but you're thinking about what they need, then you'll end up finding people that will speak into your life that will speak what you need. They'll speak what you need. One of the keys to that for me is, is I've, I've trained myself when I'm in counseling or situations to be thinking, okay, God, what, what do you want me to say to them that will be a blessing and help them. Instead of valuing our own opinions, we need to value what other people really need to hear. And we need to say it in love. Amen. They need to be grace-filled words. And that doesn't mean that you can't say hard things, difficult things. You can say difficult things with some grace on it. Amen. And so let's be those kind of people. And let's surround ourselves with people like that. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Real change. Uh, K 
can be done faster. You can, you can precipitate. You can grow in change if you have some coaching. So we need a team, but also it's really important that, that there's somebody speaking directly into your life. Somebody, an individual that is what we call coaching or mentoring you. You want to go faster? Get a mentor. You know what's amazing to me? Is that a lot of people don't have coaches or mentors, but Michael Jordan had a coach, personal coach. There are singers that have personal voice coaches. Some of the best singers in the world have a personal coach. Man, if you want to move faster and do things with excellence, you need to find someone that's coaching you in life. And they don't have, it doesn't always have to be personal. I've had coaches, Tommy Barnett coached me through the ministry and I never met the man. But he had books and I went to his conferences and I listened. I listened and read books. You can ask my wife. I, I gobbled up everything. He spoke. There was something about a season in my life that I really needed him to coach me. I like being coached. I grew up in team sports, so I like to coach, and I like to be coached. I, I, I went to CrossFit because I wanted to be coached. I have a Peloton because I could turn it on. They just tell me what to do. Go this fast, go at this speed, go this difficulty. I like being coached, and I like to coach. Amen? I found people that like to coach uh, uh, or like to be coached are good coaches. And so you need to have mentors and people coaching, speaking into your life, either through books or ministry or whatever. You need to have those people in your life. And the Bible says old men should be teaching young men and older women should be teaching younger women. And there should be a lot of coaching and mentoring going on in the body of Christ. And man, I, I can give you some unbelievable examples of that. Uh, Joshua was coached by Moses. Amen? Solomon, David coached Solomon, and Samuel coached David. Jesus coached the 12. Everybody needs a coach. Jesus was able to do 12 because he's Jesus. A lie... Jah coached Elijah. This is a biblical principle of learning and growing. And if you want to move faster, get somebody that's speaking into your life like that. The body of Christ, I, I love, go with me to 2 Timothy. Oh, my goodness. And then we're going to go back to Ephesians 4. Hold Ephesians 4. 2 Timothy, we're almost done. Oh, got to get to this. I really like this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is really powerful. It talks about this very thing that's happening. And Paul is speaking to Timothy. He said this, In all that you've learned from me, this is Paul to Timothy, confirmed by the integrity of my life, deposit into faithful leaders who are competent to teach, everybody say to teach, the congregations the same revelation. So he's saying, this is four generations. I taught you, you teach them, they teach others. That's how this should go in the body of Christ. You as a woman, as a spiritual woman, you should have an older woman speaking into your life that is proven by the life, by the integrity of her life, how to, how to live as a Christian woman. You should be have someone teaching you. You should be teaching someone younger, even if it's your own daughter. Uh, you should be teaching someone younger, and you should be teaching them that they have an obligation to teach someone younger than them. 
Men, it should be the same way. You should be coaching someone that is coaching someone that is coaching someone. Amen? This is the process. You want to you move quicker in the kingdom? Have, have that group and then have that individual that's speaking and coaching your life. I still have coaches. A lot of them I don't know personally. Through their ministry, through their books. I mean, they're coaching me. They're taking me places that I want to go, that God is leading me. Amen? And I'm moving faster because of it. Now, in Ephesians, it says this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Man, God said this. He says, and he has appointed, that he is God, some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling, everybody say calling, is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. He's like, I appointed special gifts in the body of Christ to coach and mentor you and to speak directly in your life so you fulfill God's will and purpose and destiny for your life. It's amazing how God operates and how He's always wanting us to connect deeper with Him so we connect deeper with each other. Man, it's all about relationship to God. And you should have these relationships in your life, speaking into your life, coaching, mentoring, and you should be somebody that wants to do that for somebody else. Well, pastor, my daughter doesn't have ears to hear. My son doesn't have ears to hear. Well, you then you back off and pray for them. It doesn't mean you don't keep speaking into their life, but you, you, you might have to find somebody else and pray for your daughter or your son to open up their heart and ears to you. Always sowing good ground. And always have people sowing into you that have exactly what Paul said. My life has proven my integrity. That has proven. Integrity means my private life and my public life are integral. You can't separate them. You know I love Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. That's why I have earned the right to speak into your life. Do the same thing with others. Amen. Last thing. You ready? Real change requires faith. Real change requires faith. You're right there. Go with me to Ephesians 3.20. Most of us know this verse, but this is what God's saying to us. Never doubt God's mighty power. Woo, come on. To do what? It says to work. Never doubt God's mighty power to work. What? To work what? In you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more your, than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. Wow. He's saying, don't doubt God's ability to make these changes in you, to bring these new things into your life, to, to do these things that God wants to do in you and through you. Man, none of the rest of these five things that I've taught you matter a bit unless you have faith and believe that God can empower you to make these changes. That you, that His grace is sufficient for you. That you recognize, I can't do this on my own, but with God, I can do, everybody say can do, all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
who gives me the power, the ability to do everything, to make every change that God is speaking into my life. I can do it. I can do it because of his strength in my life. Matthew 9, 29 says this. Be it done unto you according to your faith. What will happen this year? The blessings you'll walk in, the things you'll overcome, the habits you'll get out of your life, the ones you'll add to your life will all depend on what you believe God for. It'll be individual. And it'll be corporate, what we believe God for, what you believe God for, what your families believe in God can do. I believe he can do all the things he's speaking to us. He can accomplish every dream, every vision, everything. But we have to trust him to do it. We have to trust him to help us. Have faith that he will and can do it. Amen. Listen, every eye closed uh, here and online. Thank you for joining us online. If you're listening and you're not right with God or you're in this room and you know you're not right with God, things aren't right. Things aren't right. Maybe you've never, ever prayed and asked and surrendered your life to him. You might have prayed and asked him for stuff, but you never prayed and said, God, my life's not mine anymore. It's yours. You gave your life for me, Jesus. You laid down your life for me. You stepped out of heaven for me. You submitted to the Father for me. Even though you're equal, you surrendered and submitted to Him, to God, to the Father, to save my life. And I surrender and submit my life to you, Jesus, so that my life will be saved and that I can fulfill your purpose, your destiny, your cause in my life and that others will be saved because of it. You've never prayed that, man. This is the moment and this is the time. Or maybe you've prayed it, man, and you meant it. But out of rebellion or, oh, man, there's some people I know in so much rebellion right now to God that they're in dangerous, dangerous. Oh, man, it's so dangerous. I keep hearing the word crash. Cra- a crash is coming. It's a crash. It's going to be ugly crash. Man, if you're in rebellion to the things of God, Man, you're just in rebellion. Please stop where you're at and come home today. Come home. Get it right. Maybe you're not in outright rebellion. Maybe you've just been walking in some delusion, some lie that you can't do it or not capable. Well, guess what? You know, there's part, that's a partial lie, but it's a partial truth too. We need His help to do these things. But either way, you're not serving God and you, you know better and you just want to come home. This is the day and this is the moment. Do it now. Don't, don't wait any longer. Let's pray now. So whether it's your first time or your next time, if you're online and going to pray, send us a message, my first time or next time. If you're Because it's really important that you acknowledge it publicly. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me publicly, that, I, that, that I'm yours, you're mine publicly, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. So it's real important that we're not ashamed of the message of Jesus and his role, his lordship in our life.
So send us that message online. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand up high. To say, it's me. I'm not ashamed to get right with God. I'm not ashamed of my relationship with Jesus. And I want it to be right. And so then after that, we're going to pray and get it right. And so if that's you, online or in this room, on the count of three, send a message or raise your hand, and then we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, golly, thank you, all of you, thank you, all around this room, thank you. I see all those hands. That's incredible, thank you. I see all those hands. God bless you. That's incredible. Let's all pray together. Come on, let's all pray. Let's all pray this with them, online and in here. Say this, say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I'm not God. There is no other God but you. And you love us. And you sent Jesus to die for our sins. His holy blood to my unholy blood. His sinless life for all my sins. I believe that. I also believe you raised him from the dead. Because sin and death could not beat you, Jesus. You beat them to save my life. Thank you. And because I believe that, I ask you, Father, by the blood of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your forgiveness right now. All doubt, fear, guilt, condemnation, and shame has to leave because of Jesus in my life right now. In Jesus' name. Because Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Teach me now by your spirit that lives in me and by your word how to live for you. In Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good he is. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.